All right, it is uh, time for to pick on the women. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Proverbs 14, verse 1. I've often said this, and uh, being uh, facing difficulties, uh, I've talked about before uh, seeing what my mom went through as a, uh, a single parent. And seeing her struggles in life. And uh, I was, you know, bouncing around different titles last Sunday. Worked out great with the Super Bowl and all-pro man of God. Boy, that worked out great. We used all those NFL examples. And then, uh, and I've already decided, and next Sunday is going to wrap up Family Matters series and so if you're missing anything, thanks to uh, the website and YouTube, you can go back and look at that. Um, the next way we're going to wrap it up, we're going to talk about relationships. And uh, this is all relationships. Our relationship with, our, with each other, our relationships with our families, what makes great relationships, what makes great friendships. There is something today that's changing our society. It's a dynamic. We're going to just, and I'm using it not as just a, a, a stump to get on, but I'm using it to show that we're missing. We're missing out on life. And, and what it is, is, uh, believe it or not, it's a simple thing, and it's, it's cell phones. And it's cell phones. Now, a lot of people use them. Nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with a cell phone like there's nothing wrong with a telephone. It's the, it's the misuse, abuse, the soaking in, missing out on life. We're missing out on relationships so many times uh, people don't know how to have, listen to this, face-to-face communication anymore. It's a relationship. And I, and I think it's not, you know, it's not, again, I'm not pre- it won't be a sermon against smartphones. So it, that's not it. It's pro-relationship. I'm not anti-cell phone. I'm pro-relationships. The only way for you to lead somebody to the Lord is have a relationship with them. Yes, the Lord can use a tract or something else. There are a multitude of people that have been saved by picking up a Gideon's Bible in a hotel room and coming to know Jesus Christ as Savior. So, But that's about a relationship too, isn't it? That's where we're going to end up. And so in looking at this on being a woman of joy and, and looking at... at Everything that women face, and there's so many hurdles and tragedies and, and uh, difficulties and experiences that a woman needs validation and saying, can I matter? Can I matter to my husband? Can I matter to my kids? Can I matter in eternity? Can I matter in God's service? What is my validation? What is my value? And there's joy that God even though that he places man, the ultimate being responsible for the physical and spiritual well-being in the home, God holds the man accountable for that, not the woman. That sometimes when the man doesn't, the woman has to. That's our society. That's the society that we're living in, that we're raised in. So go ahead and stand for the reading of God's holy word in Proverbs 14. Just one verse. Let's read it. Every wise woman buildeth, builds her house. You build it, you work, but the foolish 
plucketh or tear it down. And when it says with her hands, it means with your own, we reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share your holy word. And like I told the kids, your Holy Spirit is our guide. It, it pulls us. It, it, it tugs at our heart. May we be listening and open. In Jesus' name, amen. It's, uh, I've, I've preached this so much that, uh, that no matter what you're facing in your life, no matter what you're going through to this morning, there may be someone that's single. You may be a single, and this goes across not only for gals, but guys too. If you're single, this is what you need to realize. And that is that stop trying to find the right person. Stop trying to find the right person, but you need to be the right person. Just be the right person. God will take care of the rest. And... You know, if if no matter what we're going through, no matter your circumstances, this is what I've preached. This is what I've preached about divorce. This is what I've preached about instead of getting hung up on your past. Paul did this, and he's a great example. He worried, and it, it, it bothered Paul about his past. And so this applies no matter your situation you say, well, I'm sorry, I messed up, I got this scar, I've got this, I've done this in my life, God, can God still use me? Yes, He can and He wants to. Take what you have now, give it to God, live for Him with everything you've got, and you... The past will take care of itself. Yes, don't, we can't have amnesia. Yes, learn from the past. But just say, I'm going to give to God everything I have. I'm not going to get hung up on my past. I'm going to learn from it. Serve Him with everything you have. You know, I get, uh, I get amazed sometimes at the differences between a, uh, a bad day for a, a man and a bad day for a woman. And they, they describe, I've heard different ones, I was reading uh, some of, we've got some great women's books, uh, especially by Barbara Johnson, she's a Christian humorist, and uh, does a great job, of, she describes some of these, you, you know, having a bad day, you know it's a bad day when the bird singing outside your window is a buzzard, and uh, you know you're having a bad day when that happens, <laughs> You know that you're having a bad day when your horn gets stuck while you're behind a state trooper, and uh, that you know, and uh, that would just be a bad day right there. Also, you check your voicemail and it says it's none of your business. You know, you know that just be your even your phone is turning against you, and uh, or that's tax season coming up. You you get a tax refund, but the check bounces. You know. That would be another just a bad day if the check, you get the refund. And, uh, or you may, if you're in the 70s, you might remember this, that uh, you get yourself a pet rock and your pet rock wants to bite you, you know. Uh, you just uh, you know you're having a bad day. 
And then finally, something that uh, some of us in 30s and up may have may know. You know you're having a bad day if your bar of ivory soap sinks to the bottom of the tub. Most of us don't even know what ivory soap, and most of the younger ones don't even know what ivory soap does. Only one that floats. And do you ever have one of those days? Matter of fact, I felt like this earlier, right before church got started. And uh, I'm lost. I've gone to look for myself. If I should return before I get back, please ask me to wait. You know, it's one of those days whenever it's, that's the description, you know. And so just go out and maybe you'll find yourself and uh, what have you. Great thing about women here today, most of the ladies here today are are moms and are soon to be ladies and ladies conducting yourself as a woman of the Lord. I love this quote that a mom, all it is is wow, just upside down. And uh, so that's pretty cool there to think about. It takes a lot to be a mom. It's amazing whenever you start uh, talking about moms uh, in our discipleship group, we were talking about being better husbands and and whatnot and and uh, some of the things we need to work on and every man in this room ask yourself this question if you're being the man of god you need to be is our wife closer to jesus because of us think about that that's pretty powerful if you let that soak in If you're being the man of God you need to be, is our wife closer to Jesus because of our leadership? Because we're doing our part. They need you. So I'm not going to leave the guys out of this sermon just because it's talking about being a woman of joy. And so we're going to get to looking at these three points. Number one, I call this hope for the hurting. Uh, These two examples will be right, the first two anyway, will be right back to back. So the book of Ruth. Many people know the story and this hope for the hurting. Uh, <clears throat> she was experiencing great loss and heartache. Ruth, Ruth chapter 1 verse 3 says this. And we'll just read 3 through 5 real quick. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. She's starting to have one of those bad days. And she was left and her two sons. Well, they got married with two Moabite women. Verse 4 and uh, the same one was uh, Orpah, the name of the other Ruth, and they dwelt there about ten years. But Naomi's two sons that married Orpah and Ruth, says in verse 5, And Malon and Chilon died also both of them, and the women and the woman was left and her two sons and her husband, left of her two sons and her husband. Great loss. Many people in this room have experienced great loss, great heartache. There's a decision that they're going to make in this this hope for the hurting. That's That's the biggest thing that you and I can have in our service to the Lord is hope. Now, hope in Jesus is a sure thing, okay? Your hope in Him. Now, a lot of times in English, we use the word hope as a maybe thing. Well, I hope that I get, uh, you know, I hope I can get a new car. Or I hope I can get this job. Or I hope I can some, get to meet somebody one day. Or I hope this or hope that. But our hope in Jesus is a sure thing. Hope, though, 
the, the, the intangible hope that you have that I hope that my life gets better. I hope that I get through this tragedy. But if your hope is in the Lord, it's a sure thing. Because there's a decision that you have to make. All of a sudden, folks, in those days, in those days, there wasn't Social Security. There wasn't welfare. There wasn't anything. There wasn't charity organizations set up. That's why there's so many beggars on the side of the road in the Bible days. There's none of these Salvation Armies. Those things aren't around yet. So if your husband dies, you're up a creek without a paddle. You can't even legally own land. You can't own anything. If you don't have somebody to move in with, family was dis. Matter of fact, where are they living? They're not even at in their hometown, are they? They're living in a foreign country. Well, what happens? These three women who lost all of them lost their husbands. Do they have any hope? Ruth makes an amazing decision, and some of you need to make this decision this morning. Notice what Ruth says in verse fourteen. They lifted up their voices and they wept again. You say, well, they're just having a crying party. Well, they're communicating. They're talking. They're realizing that this is tough. Naomi said, I'm going to head back to home. And her two daughter-in-laws who were Moabites said, well, do y'all want to head back home? Do y'all, I mean, what's the decision They lifted up their voices, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold thy sister. Basically, Naomi, or excuse me, Orpah said, I'm going to head on back. Matter of fact, she went back because she loved her home. She also loved her God. She loved her home church. It was a different set of gods that they worshipped over there. And uh, verse 16 says this, and Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people. And this tells you that Ruth got saved. Thy God shall be my God. She accepted the God of the of the Jews. She accepted the God of the Hebrews. She says, I've seen your life. I've seen the way you live. And folks, when... It, I'll say it this way for the girls and this way for the guys. Girls, ladies, women, when you're going through a rough time in your life, People are watching how you carry and conduct yourself. Guys, a true test of character is not, people are watching you, but people don't, they don't see the real you whenever you're getting your way. The real you comes out when you don't get your way. How do you conduct, that means on the job, at work, or I mean at home, any time, any time you don't get your way, how do you conduct yourself? You see, that's when your true character comes out. When you don't, when I'm not getting my way, when I'm not getting what I think I deserve, whether, again, whether it be in my, my wife's relationship, my kid's relationship, my job relationship, people relationship, when I don't get my way, how do you respond? And that 
speaks volumes to people that are watching your life. And so they were going through this. And what it did when, when Ruth saw her mother-in-law and saw how she conducted, she said, it proves to me that even though you're crying and weeping, that you still long for your God. You still want to return home. And I choose your people. I choose your God. I choose Him. Ruth was saved. And whenever you're going through a storm and you cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel, you have to wait on God. Folks, everybody in here raising kids knows it's tough to wait on God. It's tough to wait on God. Waiting on God involves two things. It involves trust and a reliance. In uh, Ruth 2, 12 through 13, <clears throat> she had met Boaz, and Boaz says... Uh, Hey, listen, uh, you need to, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm going to pitch in my part and I want to do what's right. Matter of fact, he was speaking to her in Ruth 2.12 and he said, The Lord recompense thy work, a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whom, whose wings, notice this, Thou art come to trust. Even Boaz, this fellow who was much older than she, and he said, man, I, and he heard about this beautiful Moabite woman. And he started asking around about her and said, what's her story? What's going on with her? And he found out that she had chosen to stay with Naomi. And basically, she's trusting that God will help. And you know what Boaz says? Boaz not only recognized her beauty, but recognized her faith. Notice it says right there that you're trusting. It says right that Boaz is saying that the God that you're trusting in, He may just work through me. And notice why Boaz, excuse me, Ruth responded. Then she said, "Let me find favor in thy sight, my lord, for that thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thy handmaid." Though I'm not like everybody else. I put that in just country boy language. Okay? And right there at the end it says, Though I'm not like everybody else. Basically she's saying, I know I'm not a Jew and I'm not of your lineage. I'm, but you are noticed and thank you for noticing me and I thank you for your trust in me and reaching out and taking care of me. Folks, sometimes when you don't know how God's going to work it out, you got to trust Him anyway. you got to trust Him. And look at chapter 4. And this is what I call a redeemer. What happened was, is uh, Boaz had the opportunity to redeem the property that would have went to Naomi and Ruth and their family. In Ruth chapter 4, verse 9, Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, You are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's, and all that was Chilons and Malons of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Milon, have I purchased to be my wife. In other words, not buying like we think a person at Walmart, but I have chosen her. I've also taken on all her debt. All that was responsible. There was another kinsman redeemer that had the opportunity. He didn't, he didn't want it because it was a package deal. And he, and, and Boaz said this, I'll take the package deal because in order to purchase it back, I've got to take on uh, 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 Naomi and Ruth, and I'll take a whole package deal. Listen to me very closely. 
when Jesus chose to be your kinsman redeemer, he said it comes with a package deal. I've got to take all of y'all. I've got to die for all of y'all. I've got to shed my blood for the everybody, even the people who will spit in my face, even the people who will reject me. I'll take the whole package deal. Jesus chose chose to be our kinsman he stepped down from heaven took upon flesh and became our near kinsman and said i'll take the package deal and everybody's baggage you think i've got baggage why would god want me i've messed up i've made this mistake do you realize what all i've done in my life do you realize what's wrong do you realize the 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 package that comes with this deal and jesus says yes i do i got you but all you got to do is choose Him. He's our kinsman redeemer. It's a beautiful picture. Moving on to the next one. Not only do we have hope for the hurting, but we've got a life worth living. This, this lady who couldn't have children in those days. Listen, you know, today, listen, today we, we measure. When you see another woman, where do you work? Mm-hmm. Where do you buy your clothes? Uh-huh. You know, what, what, what kind of cell phone you got? What kind of car do you drive? We got all kinds of measuring sticks today. Designer clothes, cell phones, cars, positions of employment, education, all these measurements. We measure one another and think I'm better than they are or they're better than me. We try to keep up with the Joneses. And uh, so and I always pick on Chuck and Michelle. I'm sorry. i got to come up with another last name. I don't know. But we try to keep up. We want to just, you know, one-up one another. That's our human. At least that's our culture anyway. That's our culture. But listen to me very closely. In those days, the measuring stick was children. The measuring stick, and if your and if your womb was closed, I mean, it was a, it was. Oh no, I can't measure up. I can't even call myself a woman because I don't have any children. It's the measuring stick. God has blessed me, or He hadn't blessed me, and her heart was broken. And folks, I guarantee, I guarantee you, there's some women in here this morning who stood before God heartbroken and saying, "Why can't I measure up? Why can't I live for God? Why?" What about this mistake in my life and this mistake in my life and, and I don't have what others have. And Hannah's heart was broken because she didn't have any children. That was the measuring stick then. That was the status symbol. No, no two things real quick. Actually three. And two, I, it's, on my outline is a little bit different than yours, but she had three things. She had a prayer. She had a promise. And she had a praise. I'm going to fly through them real quick and see if Kenneth can keep up. Okay? All right, number one, 1 Samuel 1.10. Okay, 1 Samuel 1.10. This is her prayer. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto God and wept. She's broken. Her promise, verse 11. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look upon the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget me, will you give unto your handmaid a man-child? And I'll give him right back to you. Folks, that's a Christian woman. That's a Christian woman says, God, whatever you give me, 
I give back to you. That's the way we need to be with all of our possessions. You say, I've got uh, $403 in the bank. Some of them say, I wish I had that much. <laughs> you know, guess how much of it belongs to the Lord? 10%? No, all of it. Every penny. But it's the same way. It's an attitude. Can I honor God with what I have? It's a life worth living. And all of a sudden, all the heartache, all the reproach. And to make a long story short, she, it, it came to pass and she had a child and his name was Samuel. And he, and he lived for God. And this is her praise. Look at uh, 1 Samuel 2, 1. Everything's worth it. So basically she took her, she, and by the way, when y'all started singing about the rock, Miss Barbara and the choir, I said, whoa, there's my sermon right there, singing about the rock, because notice the words of Hannah. Uh, 1 Samuel 2, 1, and Hannah prayed and said unto, and said, my heart rejoices. Man, I'm excited. My horn's exalted. Man, it means I'm overflowing. It's, I mean, I'm drinking from the saucer now. Huh? The cup's overflowing. My, my mouth is enlarged, which means you talk about Jesus at work, man. You talk about Jesus all the time because he's blessed me. And my, because I rejoice in thy salvation. Look at it, verse 2. There is none holy as the Lord. There's none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. He is the rock that won't move. And it is awesome. So guess what? All, basically what she said was, if you will give me a life, I will live for you. My life is yours. And she's breathing. Even if she didn't have any children, I think she would have given it all to him anyway. The last point is I call it joy for the giving. It's the story about the woman at the well. And joy for the giving, that's kind of being a woman of joy. This is it. This is what it all boils down to. When you're hurting, when it seems like all hope is gone, and everything's falling apart in your life, and all the dominoes are falling, but they're all falling in the wrong direction. <laughs> Listen to this. Let me ask you all a question. This, men or women, do you have joy? And is it worth sharing? If you have Jesus, you have joy. And I guarantee you, he's worth sharing. Okay? He's worth sharing. Look at this. Look what happened. First of all, uh, John chapter 4, verse 7 through 9. What I, that's what I call, Brother Michael label, mistakes and baggage. Mistakes and baggage. And really also add to that unworthiness. So, verse 7, John 4, 7 says this, There comes a woman of Samaria, this well, Jesus, he planned it all. He knew to be there, and Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples had gone away in the city to buy meat. And then, verse 9, Then the woman said unto him, How is it that thou being a Jew... Ask us to drink of me. I'm just a woman of Samaria. So listen, number one, why are you talking to me? I'm just a woman. Number two, I'm not only a woman, I'm a Samaritan, which means y'all Jews don't like us. Why are you talking to me? That means she felt unworthy, okay? Well, if you move on to verse 10, I call this something's missing. 
verse 10 says this, If thou knewest, Jesus said, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that said to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest asked of me, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said, Well, what are you, this well is deep. What are you going to draw with? And uh, from where are you, verse 11, where are you going to get the living water? Right there, call that something missing. So we've gone to some questions here. First of all, if there's somebody in this room and you've never been saved, I guarantee you something's missing from your life. And I guarantee you your joy is only about this deep because it's based on your circumstances. That's really called happiness, by the way. Happiness is based on what you have, what's happening to you. Joy it comes from inside, and it's, it, it, it overcomes your circumstances. Okay? Something's missing. He started talking about water, and she's thinking the well. He said, no, 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 no. I'm talking about something else. I'm talking about something else. So he, and so she's trying to figure out what's missing, what's wrong with this picture. Something is needed. <clears throat> if you skip down to verse 15, John chapter 4, verse 15, the woman said, Sir, I would like this water that you're talking about. Hmm. Okay. You know what this water is? New life. Well, Jesus could have said, repeat the sinner's prayer and you'll get saved. No, because saying a prayer doesn't save you. Asking the Savior to save you is what saves you. Saying, just, just if you just said a prayer, then just say some words. You're trusting in words to save you, not a Savior. So don't repeat words. Pray, ask God, call upon the Lord to save you. So guess what? Before he could save her, before she could come to know him, she had to get lost. She had to realize she's she's a sinner. She has to realize something's wrong. Okay, what's wrong? Look at verse 16. Go call your husband. Tell him I would like to meet him. Uh, She started going, uh, uh... I have no husband. Uh, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, well, you've well said. You're saying, you're saying, you, basically, in Ashley County, you, you know what Jesus said? You could say that again. <laughs> you could say that again. Because what? Thou ha- you've got five husbands. Look at verse 18. And, uh, whom thou, and the one you have now is not your husband. He's really being bold in me. But he had to get her lost. He had to get her to recognize that she's a sinner. Okay? And so that's verse 18. I had to recognize that, that, hey, I'm a sinner. Well, we don't have her prayer of salvation. She, somewhere in these verses, she prays to get saved. I want to show you here. This is really cool how she finds Jesus. She finds Jesus in verse 25. The woman said unto him, I know that there is a Messiah coming. Verse 26, guess what, lady? You just met him. I am he. That's really cool. Right then, somewhere, right then, she 
I can just see it. And the Bible doesn't say her prayer doesn't record anybody's prayer of salvation in the Bible anywhere. But somewhere right there, she looks up and she says, this is awesome. This is, and she knew it in her heart already. So she's already under conviction about her life situation. But you know what? Jesus didn't care how much sin she had. Jesus wanted to say, I got you. I will be your kinsman redeemer. I'll be your Messiah. And I don't care if you're a woman. I'm a man. I'm a Jew. You're a Samaritan. I'm here to save you. I'm here to give you everlasting water. And so she gets saved. And folks, if you're saved this morning, this is what you should do. I call it giving the joy away. Look at verse 28. It says the woman, she took that water pot. She said, boom, she threw it down. And she went, what'd she do? Went her way into the city and said to the men, notice now you got a woman witnessing to the men. Come see a man which told me all things. Is this not the Christ? Verse 39. We either, this morning, we can either be selfless or selfish do you have a joy worth giving away look at verse 39 verse 39 says this and many of the samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified he told me all things that i ever did this morning joy is like a boomerang. Many of us want to keep our Savior right here. Why? That's selfish. But joy is like a boomerang. Did you know, thrown properly? <laughs> I've had one one time. I had to learn to throw it properly. I can do a Frisbee much better. But if joy, when given away, it comes back to you. That's kind of like smiling at somebody. And what do they normally do? They smile back. Because do you have joy worth sharing? I think most of you do. As we prepare for a hymn invitation. Let's all bow for a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for this opportunity. And it's all about you. And we do have a joy worth sharing. And these three women going through extraordinary circumstances showed how to that we have <clears throat> that we can choose we can choose you we can we can we choose our attitude we choose our outlook we choose our savior and then we also choose whether to give it away to give the joy away to share the experience even the heartache and know how that you can get us through it you can help us. And Lord, help us to be more bold with our faith, willing to talk about you to anyone. In Jesus' name, amen.